Well, amen. Thank you so much. I'm sorry for the reason that I'm here today because uh, I was really in hopes that Brian was going to be healthy, well, and back here today. And uh, I'm actually doing something today that I have never done before. I'm preaching to two congregations. While I'm speaking to you, our service here is being streamed to Bear Creek Baptist Church. And so they're watching me preach there. And so it's good to see the Moffitts here today and good to see Raynard here today. And Carolyn, we're glad you're here and always glad to see the Gomez's on the second row there. Now, those are folks at Bear Creek, by the way. So if you're looking around trying to say, well, I don't know any of those people he just called, that's because I'm talking to other people. But anyway, I just am uh, am glad to be back, able to uh, bring uh, another message to you today. You know, you're blessed, we're blessed to grow up in a country and in an area and in a church and in homes where we hear the Word of God. We hear it over and over and over again. And while that's a blessing, it also carries a danger with it. Did you know that? Because becoming familiar with something causes us many times to just hear it and sing it and speak it and not live it. And uh, I learned this when my brother and I were little boys. One Saturday morning, we wanted to go to the movies. We wanted to go to the show and some Western was playing and we asked our mother if we could go to the show. And she said, uh, well, boys, uh, I don't really like you walking. It's about five blocks and she said, I don't like you walking there by yourself, but she said, I'll let you go under this one condition. When you get there, you call me. Just go to Miss Louise, who runs the theater, and just say, we need to call our mother, and she'll let you use the phone. So we said, okay. She said, now, don't you forget. She said, I'm telling you, if you forget, you'll be in real trouble. So we said, yes, ma'am. So we started walking to the theater, and I said to my brother, I said, let's just remember, call Mama when we get to the show. And he said, oh, that's right, call Mama when we get to the show. And we noticed that that kind of had a little bit of a sing song to it. So we started saying, call Mama when we get to the show. And he said, call Mama when we get to the show. And then we high-fived one another, call Mama when we get to the show. We began to dance around, call Mama when we get to the show. Call Mama when we get to the show. We got to the show, and we bought our tickets, still saying under our breath, call Mama when we get to the show. Got our ticket, went in, got our big nickel sucker, and, and uh, went and sat down, still saying, call Mama when we get to the show. Call Mama when we get to the show. And then the movie started, and we stopped our singing. About 10 minutes into the movie, Miss Louise, the lady that ran the theater, came down to say, boys, boys, Nikki, Donald, boys, come here. We thought, what have we done? And she said, your mother is out in the lobby, and she is really mad. And we looked at each other, and we said, we didn't call Mama when we got to the show. And I learned a lot that day, but one thing I learned as years went by is that it is possible for us to quote scripture, sing scripture, speak scripture, hear scripture, and then walk right out and live 
in sin and not practice what we hear. And so this morning, I'm going to bring a message that probably won't be anything you haven't already heard, but I'm hoping that you can hear it in a fresh way. And my goal this morning is for you to leave this service magnifying, exalting, and exalting in the marvelous grace of God. And so I want to speak on a, in fact, let me give you the title of my sermon. Uh, The amazing blessings that come to us as a result of a blood covenant planned in eternity past and established through the death of Jesus on the cross as illustrated in a covenant between David and Jonathan. Now, I know some of you are a little worried. You're thinking, man, if the title is that long, we're going to be here forever. Well, in this case, the title is about as long as the sermon, or the sermon's about as long as the title. So I want to look at a story over in the Old Testament. David and Jonathan... By the way, Jonathan was the, supposed to be the next king of Israel. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. But God had told David that he would be the next king of Israel. And yet Jonathan and David deeply loved each other. You would think that there would have been so much rivalry. You would think that Jonathan would have been very suspicious of David and that David might have even been jealous of Jonathan. But they weren't. In fact, listen to this. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. And actually the word made there should be the word cut because the way they established covenants in that day was by cutting on their own body. And so it says, and uh, Jonathan cut a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and he gave it to David. And he gave him his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Let me tell you the way covenants were established back then is that two people would go out into a secret place alone and they would take a knife And they would cut themselves on their hand and then they would put their hands together and they would become, they would enter into a blood covenant. You've seen this done in movies, hadn't you? You've seen, you know, old Western movies. Again, my brother, my cousin and I saw this in a movie one time and this American Indian and this cowboy who are normally enemies, they got together and they cut themselves on their hand. They put their hands together, held them over their head, and they said, from this day forward, my blood flows through you, your blood flows through me. We are now blood brothers. 
And my cousin and I went home and we thought, man, it'd be so neat to become blood brothers. So we went in the house and we got a, a knife out of the kitchen drawer and we went out into the woods and I said, uh, here, you cut your hand first. <laughs> and he handed it back to me. He said, no, you, you, you do it first. And I said, uh, I'll tell you what, let's become spit brothers. And so we both spit together on the ground and stirred it around with a stick. And so we, I said, okay, we're spit brothers. That's good enough. That was good enough for us. But, uh, but Dave and Jonathan, they did the whole thing. They actually cut themselves and they uh, established uh, this blood covenant. And the Bible tells us that David gave to Jonathan his armor. Jonathan gave to David his armor. It was a way of saying, everything I have is yours my protection, my life, everything I have is yours. And I want you to know the main recipient of this covenant was not even born at the time this covenant was made. And that's going to become more important later. But do you know that if you had a time machine and you could go back, 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 back all the way to the very beginning of time, before creation, before the foundation of the world was even laid. And then you could go back even beyond that into eternity. You would find two things. You would find a lamb that had its throat cut. There would be a slain lamb before the world was ever spoken into existence. You would also find a book called the book of life. And you would find names in that book of life. Listen to these verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Here's what I'm telling you. Before you were born, before I ever came into existence, before creation was ever called into existence. God in marvelous sovereign grace had determined that I would be saved and would become his child. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, I don't understand that. Hey, I don't understand it either, but I believe it. You know what? I don't understand how this little thing here or this little phone that was in my pocket, uh, how it does all the things it does. But I'm not going to wait till I understand it before I enjoy it. When people ask me, what about the doctrine of election? What about the doctrine of predestination? What, what about th this idea that God chose us before we were born? I said, well... <laughs> I, the Bible says it, so I'm not going to argue with it. And they say, well, explain it to me. I say, well, hey, I can't explain it. 
but I'm not going to wait till I explain it to start enjoying it. And I'm just going to say, God, thank you so much that I didn't choose you. You chose me. I thank you so much that when I get to heaven, I'm not going to be patting myself on the back and say, why, what a good boy am I? No, I'm going to be kneeling down before the one who died for me. And I'm going to be saying, Jesus, thank you that you chose me while I was a sinner, while I was not looking for you, you came and found me. Now that's just worthy of a hallelujah, isn't it? Amen. And the Bible says in Revelation 13, 8, all who dwell on the earth will worship this false beast. You know, everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. Well, there's just a lot about that that just makes me rejoice. Somebody said to me one time, uh, when I read this, it just makes me confused. And I say, well, when I read it, it makes me rejoice. When I read it, it makes me just praise God that he loved me before I loved him, that he knew me before I knew him, and that he called me and chose me before I chose him. Is that confusing to some of you? Any of you? Well, enjoy it even if you don't understand it. Then we move ahead and we're going to meet another character. Jonathan grew up. I mean, Jonathan was already grown up, but Jonathan got married. He had a little son and he named him Mephibosheth. There are a lot of names, Bible names that kids get named today. You know, James and Paul and Peter, but nobody names their child Mahar Shalal Hashbaz. That's the longest name in the Bible. Yeah, I know y'all are considering that maybe for <laughs> your next page. Nobody names their son Methuselah. And nobody names their son Mephibosheth. But they named him Mephibosheth. And when he was five years old, well, let's just read it. Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news came about the death of Saul and Jonathan, and his nurse took him up and fled, and as she fled in her haste, he fell, and he became lame. What happened? Little five-year-old Mephibosheth, whenever the Philistines killed Saul and Jonathan and, and, and the other family members, this nurse grabbed him up and went running out, and she tripped and fell, and little Mephibosheth, five-year-old Mephibosheth, fell and probably broke his back because it says he was lame in both his feet. Later it says he was lame in both legs. And probably what happened was that his back was broken and he became uh, paraplegic. And his name was Mephibosheth. Poor little Mephibosheth. He has a lot in common with me because he was born in the wrong family. He was born in the family of Saul, not the family of David. He was crippled by a fall. And I want you to know 
when Adam and Eve sinned, we still refer to it as the fall, don't we? And I'm telling you, I was crippled by that fall. And he was under the condemnation of death. Let me tell you, when a new king came to power in that day, and still in some parts of the world today, that new king would search out and try to find anybody related to the former king and they would execute him. And that's what Mephibosheth expected. He expected David to come looking for him and to kill him because he was under the condemnation of death. And he had a negative view of David. All of his life, all he had heard about David since he was five or six years old was David took your dad's place. David is your enemy. You need to hate David. You need to be scared of David. And they, he was running from David just like I was running from God until he caught me when I was 17 years old. And Mephibosheth had fled down into a back part of the desert and he was hiding for his life. Now by this time now, he's grown. He's probably 18, 19 years old. And then listen to this, this passage in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And David said, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul? And of course, when he asked that question, everybody knew what was, what was up. He wants to find all of the descendants of Saul and execute them. But he said, no, is there anyone left that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He said, you know, I made a covenant with Jonathan and I promised him that I would show covenant love to any of his descendants. Is there anybody still alive that I can keep that promise and fulfill that covenant? Now, there was a servant in the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, I am. And the king said, is there still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there is one son of Jonathan, but he's crippled in his feet. And the king said, where is he? And Ziba said, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, down in Lodibar. Lodibar is the Hebrew word that means no pasture or barren place. And then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodibar. He sent and brought him and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. By the way, here's the way I've pictured this. I've pictured that Jonathan, this young teenage boy, has been hiding down there for for a long time terrified of David and somebody looks out the window and says Mephibosheth there's soldiers coming it looks like the king's soldiers and Mephibosheth says oh no oh no they found me and I don't know what he, I always picture him crawling under the bed but he may not have and then the soldiers come in and they said, we're looking for Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth is saying, shh, 
and they get to looking throughout the house and finally one of them pulls the bed spread up and looks under the bed and there's little Mephibosheth trembling for his life and they reach under and grab him, drag him out. And they said, Mephibosheth, David has sent for you. And they bring him to David, trembling, terrified, knowing this is the last day he would live. And they brought him, and the Bible says, and Mephibosheth, the son of David, son of Saul, came to David, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, and he fell on his face. Well, of course he would have fallen on his face. He was crippled. So when they bring him in and turn him loose, there's not much else he can do but fall on his face, right? So he falls on his face, and he says, and then David said, Mephibosheth, and Mephibosheth answered, behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you kindness. By the way, this word, this Hebrew word for kindness, hesed, it's the, it's the covenant love that God has for us. And he said, I, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And Mephibosheth, of course, is, he wonders, is this a trick? What? It's too good to be true. So he said, what is your servant that you should show kindness for a dead dog? such as I am. That's the way he thought of himself. I'm just a dead dog. And then the king called Ziba and said, everything that belonged to Saul and to his house, I've given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants will till the land for him, bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that the Lord my king commands, we will do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. David said, Mephibosheth, I'm adopting you. You're mine from now on. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now, he was lame in both feet. Now, I want you to see, first of all, that David sent and got him. The King James, I love it, it says he fetched him. I'm a country boy. And we did lots of fetching when I was a kid. My daddy would tell me to go out and fetch this or fetch that. And David said to his servants, go and fetch Mephibosheth. And my friends, they fetched him. And I want to tell you something. When I was 17 years old, God said to the Holy Spirit, you know that covenant that Jesus and my son and I made before the foundation of the world. 
it included that old country boy down there growing up in that alcoholic family and that old country bumpkin. But his name was on the list. Spirit of God, go fetch him. And my friend, he fetched me. He got me and he brought me. He brought me to Jesus. And he brought him to himself. And poor little Mephibosheth, he acknowledged his unworthiness. He said, I, I'm just a dead dog. I remember that night that I got saved and that's what I said basically. I didn't know this story, but I said, God, why would you love me? I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to earn the favor that you're showing to me. Now, I didn't know it, but God could have said to me, hey, don't worry about it. There's nothing good in you. I'm not doing this because I see you and say, oh, I just got to have that boy. No, he said, this is all related to a covenant that was made before you ever were even thought of. I didn't know that at that time. And then David showed him grace, undeserved grace. He made him a son and he fed him at his own table continually from that day on. My goodness. Mephibosheth got a new father that day. If you've been saved, you've got a new father. He got a new family. He got the family of David. We have the family of God. He got a new fortune. Everything that he'd lost, he got it back. And he had a new future. And I imagine that there was a day when Mephibosheth was eating supper or dinner. For you dignified folks, it's dinner. But for us country folks, it's supper. And uh, they were eating supper. And Mephibosheth sitting there, a little old cripple. Mephibosheth, he's grown now, of course, but he's still crippled. And he says to David, David, could you pass me those mashed potatoes, please? David picks up the bowl, hands them over to him. And Mephibosheth says, David, what's that scar on your hand? David sets the potatoes down. He said, I'm glad you asked about that, Mephibosheth. He said, that scar is why you're here. This scar is a covenant. The mark of a covenant that was made before you were ever born. And because of that covenant, you were included and that's why you're sitting at my table. And I have an idea that someday in heaven, at the marriage supper of the Lamb, I'll be sitting there at the table with Jesus. And I'll say, Jesus, could you pass me the angel food cake? <laughs> sure, that's what they eat in heaven. And he'll pick it up and hand it over to me. And I'll say, Jesus, what's that? scar in your hand and he'll set the cake down he'll say I'm glad you asked about that I want you to know that scar is why you're here and you were included 
in a secret covenant that was made before the world was ever created. And if it was not for that scar, you would have perished and would have no hope for a future with me. But because of this scar, you have a new father. You have a new family. You have a new fortune. And you have a new future. I want us to pray. And as we pray, or if you could just thank God that, that you were Mephibosheth, David is Jesus, and he sent and fetched you. But he fetched you to bring you blessing based on not how good you are, but based on a blood covenant that he established before you were ever born. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful story in the Old Testament and how that it so pictures and typifies what happened in my life and in the life of the others who are here. And Father, we acknowledge that we, we're crippled. We're lame. And I, every lame man that Jesus healed in the New Testament just reminds me that I needed it because I was crippled, I was blind, I was dead. And by your marvelous, matchless, amazing grace, you called me, you brought me to yourself, gave me a, a new life and forgave me of all my sins. And even though I'm still weak in my feet, I still sit at your table. And I feast with the King. In Jesus' name, amen.